Heads up, small business leaders, you're listening to My Quest for the Best, where published experts share relevant stories for inspiration and tools for transformation to unlock your growth potential. We release a new episode every week to help you navigate your managing and leadership challenges, so subscribe to stay up to date. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and more for your convenience. Let's dive into this week's episode. Hi, this is Warren Berger. I'm the author of the book of Beautiful Questions, and you're listening to My Quest for the Best. Hi, this is Bill Ringel, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock their growth potential. Joining me today is Warren Berger. Innovation expert, best-selling author, and business journalist Warren Berger is my guest today. He's a former New York Times journalist who's declared himself a questionologist with the publication of his best-selling book, A More Beautiful Question. Berger believes that questioning leads to innovation and can help you be more successful in your career and can spark change in our businesses and lives. He's authored eight books and has appeared on NPR's All Things Considered, CNN, NBC's Today Show, and contributes regularly to Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, and Psychology Today, where he writes the questionologist column. He lives and works in Mount Kisco, New York, and is, is here to discuss his sequel, The Book of Beautiful Questions. Welcome, Warren. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good to have you. Tell me, when you were growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? Well, you know, when I was growing up, my uh, older sister became a journalist. Uh, as I was still in um, high school, she was graduating college and, be- and becoming a journalist. And uh, it opened up a, a new possibility for me, um, seeing that that was a world I could go into. I grew up in sort of a working class uh, background. My parents didn't go to college. But, um, and so I didn't have much sense of what kind of career I might pursue. But when my sister went into, into journalism, I thought, hmm, that's kind of an interesting field. And then that led me to go to journalism school and, uh, and uh, got me on my way to where I am today. So let me ask you, what's your sister's first name? Kathy. When Kathy, was it when Kathy made a decision to be a journalist, when she got hired as a journalist, or when her na- her byline first appeared somewhere and she came home sharing copies of it? What I think was it was it that really triggered it. Yeah, I think it was the latter. I, th- I think it was the last one you mentioned. That seeing the the um, she was an editor and seeing her name in uh, in uh, you know magazines uh, was was very impressive to me. You know, because I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Not only do you have this interesting job, but your you know your name is in this publication that goes uh, around the world, you know, and all over the place. She was working with Newsweek at one point. So, um, so, you know, to me, that was, that was quite impressive. And it, it made me realize there was, I knew I was interested in writing and it made me think, you know, there's a, there's a place I can take writing that is more uh, career oriented perhaps than just sitting in my room and trying to write the great novel. So, um, so that kind of got me going on that track. And what was your first byline, Warren? Oh gosh, I I started to write for my college uh, uh, newspaper, and um, uh, I you know, I wrote one of the early articles I wrote was um was about the cheerleading squad <laughs> for Syracuse <laughs> University, which was a fun story to work on. I I I think I I suggested that story, never thinking they'd take me up on it, and they said, sure, go ahead and write a story about the uh, the cheerleaders at Syracuse University. So uh, that was one of my first bylines, and then uh, I I. 
I, um, you'll see a theme developing here because I, one of my next stories was about the beer industry in, uh, in upstate New York and how there were local breweries. So, so I was, uh, I was tending to write stories about things I was, I was interested in. <laughs> yeah, the research probably wasn't too hard on both no, of those. No, it was not hard at all. Uh, but those are some of what I found with uh, journalism was it, and I would say this to anyone who's in journalism school today, the most important thing you can do, get out there and write stories. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how many classes you take. Um, you have to, you have to get stories under your belt with bylines and you may have to go outside of school to do that. Uh, in the case of, uh, the, the beer story, I went to the, the city uh, magazine, uh, you know, the city of Syracuse had its own little magazine and I went to them and said, Hey, you know, I, I'd like to do stories for you. You don't have to pay me much or anything. And, uh, you know, I got some good clips from that. So that's really important. It reminds me of Guy Kawasaki, who was the chief evangelist at Apple. Yeah, sure. And he has a saying that says, um, eat like a bird and poop like an elephant. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And it's that, it's that same principle of consume a, a quantity, but then be prodigious with your output. Oh, yeah, that's so key, you know, as, and as a writer, that's everything, right? You have to produce a lot before you will get the thing that resonates and that uh, gets some traction. You know, I, I had to produce a number of books before I hit on a book that, that was, uh, you know, that really caught on and was successful. And it's just, um, you know, it's just the way it is. You, you don't know. I think it's true with creativity or producing in general. Um, you don't know what is going to be necessarily the successful thing. So you have to produce lots of stuff and then eventually you will get to the successful thing. So let's talk about this phrase questionologist. How did you come up with it? And how did you know that that described what you wanted to devote your life to? Wow. Yeah. Well, I think what happened was I, I got more and more interested in questioning. You know, it started as a journalist. Um, I was using questions every day of my life, you know, and it was how I related to people. And yet I noticed something, which was that I'd never been trained really in the art of questioning. And I went to journalism school. I went to a very good journalism school. And yet there was never a focus on how do you ask a good question? How do you formulate a question? What about the tone you use when you're asking a question? I never got trained in any of that, which I thought is, is just really strange for journalism schools not to do that. So over time, you know, I always thought, gee, you know, people should know more about questioning. And then I had a second thing that happened, which was kind of a light bulb moment, which was I was writing a lot about entrepreneurs and, and business leaders. And, um, and I noticed that they were great questioners. A lot of them were, were people who asked really big, ambitious questions about their industry. Why isn't, why isn't our industry doing a better job at X? And what if we came at this problem that consumers are having from this direction? So they were asking these questions that nobody else was asking. They were then pursuing those questions, and it was leading to innovation, and it was leading them to success. So I found at that point that you know, not only is questioning a good tool for a journalist for you or for inter, interpersonal communication, it's also this amazing tool for innovation. You know, if, if you're asking the right questions as a business person, it's going to lead you to uh, all kinds of uh, breakthroughs and uh, epiphanies. So, you know, once I realized that, I, you know, that's when I said, 
this is a great subject to go into. And it, it's kind of led me to where I am now. It's led me to my mission right now. I'm, I'm on a mission to, to elevate the importance of questioning uh, in, in both people's work lives and in their, uh, in their personal lives, because I've seen so many examples of how it can help you in business, uh, as well as in your career, as well as in your, uh, your relationships with people. So Warren, can I ask you a big question? Yeah, sure. What are one or two specific questions that you've asked yourself in the last 48 hours that have helped you lead a more richer, more satisfying or more accomplished life? Take your pick. <laughs> well, I think, I think what, I'm, what I'm always asking myself is, um, one of the questions I'm always asking myself is, uh, am I focused on the right things right now? You know, and I think we always have to ask ourselves those questions. What happens to me is uh, a lot of things come along and uh, distract me. There'll be new, new possibilities, new, new, new directions I could pursue. And it's happening all the time. And I'm, I'm dealing with one of them right now. It's just like a new offer to work on something. And so I have to ask myself that question, you know, does this fit with the direction I'm moving in, uh, what I want to focus on? Uh, is it worth the time it's going to take to, uh, to develop it? And I think all of us need to be asking those kinds of questions on a regular basis. You know, you know there's, a, there's a question that uh, Peter Drucker used to recommend everybody ask themselves, and it's, what should I stop doing? You know, uh, what are the things I should turn down? What are the things I should um, walk away from? We have we have trouble with that as as human beings because we always want to do more. You know, we always want to take on additional stuff. And we always want to we always want to take that opportunity that presents itself and say, oh, I'm going to run with that. And, you know, what happens if you do too much of that is you you can lose your focus. So that's very interesting. I think that a lot of people listening, a lot of the business leaders listening are bombarded, as you and I are, with opportunities and invitations. And the evaluation process that you go through is really interesting. Yeah. You ask whether it's strategically aligned with what goals and commitments you've already made. Yeah. And you ask if you have time or availability um, in order to pursue this new opportunity. Right. Are there any other questions that you ask that we can adopt? Well, one of the things that I borrowed this from the, um, the, the, the management guru, uh, Gary Keller, um, who uh, he, he had this great question, uh, which is, what is the one thing I can do that would make everything else easier or unnecessary? So a lot of times when you're working on a new project or in a new area, one of the things you want to figure out is, um, is there a thing that you need to do that's more important than all the others and that will help? Uh, make the other the other things more possible, you know. So in my case, if I'm if I'm starting on a new uh, a book project, you know, what is the one thing that I can do that will make everything easier? Well, it may involve the one thing I need to do is create a really great outline for the book, and that will that will make everything else uh, flow from there. But I think that's a that's a, I find that to be a really important question when you are trying to uh, when you're working on focus. Now, is that Gary Keller, the founder of Keller Williams? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And he, he, he wrote a book uh, about, uh, I, I believe the title is The One Thing. And it was based on that question that he used to ask himself all the time. What's the one thing I can do that'll make everything else easier? Because he was a firm believer that there's usually one, one task 
or one challenge at the root of whatever you're working on that you need to focus on. And if you get that, if you identify that and work on that right away, it'll make everything else uh, go better later on. Now, I understand you also advise um, senior management teams and entrepreneurs on being more effective in their leadership. Yes. What is um, a way that they can adopt some of these questioning techniques? And can you share with me an example of maybe a before and after, someone you were working with who was struggling because they were asking less than effective questions and you were able to help them adopt it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with some big companies as well as small companies. I, I tend to see more results with the smaller companies because the bigger companies, it's harder to make a dent. So, um, but I'll talk about both. Um, the, 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 one of the more dramatic instances was a, a small, uh, an entrepreneurial company and a, a really brilliant guy who, who started a, a tech company in Massachusetts, about 20, 25 employees. And, um, you know, he had come across the, the concept. He'd come across my book and came to me and said, you know, I, I just really want to um, implement this in some way in my, my life as well as in my company. And one of the things I talked to him about was taking more time for himself as a leader to just reflect on what's important. You know, what am I, what am I really trying to achieve at this company? And what are my goals and what is our ultimate uh, mission here? Uh, another thing I talked to him about was the idea that once you start to think about your mission, um, maybe instead of a static mission statement, you could put it out there to your organization as a mission question. So, you know, his, his question, his statement had to do with um, becoming a, a leader in this uh, field he was in, a very, very specialized uh, tech field, um, and having a real dramatic impact on the way people use that technology, okay? So rather than say, you know, we are having a mission statement that says, you know, we are the leaders in this technology and we're helping people to do a better job with it, I had him phrase the question as, how might we become a leader in our field and an inspiration to the people using this technology. Now, by putting it out there as a question, which he then, by the way, he, he took that question and he had it um, plastered on the walls <laughs> within his company so that people would see that question all the time. The reason that's effective, uh, to have a mission question instead of a mission statement, is that it's open-ended and it, it's, it's um, inviting people to pursue this, this larger challenge. In other words, a statement is something that just gets handed to them, right? It's like, right. this is our philosophy. You better accept it or not accept it or whatever, you know. But a question is an invitation. A question is an invitation for people in that organization to say, yeah, you know, how might we do that? What are some of the ways we might achieve that goal, that really big, ambitious goal? So he found it was um, really energizing to his people. He found that once he put that up there, uh, people would come to him uh, throughout the company and, and they'd say, Steve, you know, I, I, have, um, I have some thoughts on you know, how we might address the mission question. And he said he got a lot more of that kind of um, interaction with people than he ever got before when he just had a mission statement. 
It really invites people to think of themselves as leaders too, doesn't it? It does. It does. And it, and it, and it invites everyone to think about the future. You know, one of the things I never understood about a mission statement is it's, 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 it sounds like it's already been done. <laughs> you know, this is who we are and this is what we've done. We're the greatest. And, um, and so, it, first of all, it sounds a bit like they always sound boastful, right? Mission statements always sound like, like someone's boasting. But they also sound like the company's already done this. You know, we've already become the leader in our field. Well, where does that leave room for the mission? You know, where, where does that leave room for growth? And, and so I think uh, what's, what's really great about a mission question is it not only invites people in, but it, it truly is a mission. It truly gives them something to shoot for as opposed to something to have to try to live up to. So in your book, you'd say that to learn from a master questioner, we don't have to go way back in history and study Einstein or Socrates, but simply hang out with a four-year-old. Tell me more about what you learned about Harvard researcher Paul Harris, who says that children learn to ask questions at this stage of development in a really important way that we could benefit from as adults leading businesses. Yeah, I think what what we can learn from children is that um, uh, questioning is a is a uh, an activity that we all have within us. It's it's something we're we're born with. We're born questioners, um, but it requires a bit of courage. Um, uh, children are fearless, right? And they are willing to ask any question at any time. And um, the other thing they are is curious. They're curious as well as fearless. And I think as adults and as uh, business people, if we can pick up those two qualities and, uh, and, and apply them to our, our business life, you know, that sort of boldness of being willing to ask any question about our industry or about the way we're doing things. Why are we doing things the way we've been doing in the last 10, 15 years? If we're bold enough to ask those kinds of questions and we're curious enough to look around us see what other people are doing and wonder how that might apply to our world. What can I borrow from this, these people over here and bring it into my world? Uh, what if I combine what uh, these guys are doing with what we're doing? Um, you know, if you can ask those kinds of questions, uh, that's sort of the basis of innovation. I mean, that's where, that's where growth and change and innovation all starts with that kind of curiosity and that willingness to, to ask, you know, what if I try this or why haven't we tried that? Can you talk a moment about limits of questions? Because we know that when businesses set strategy, you set it for a time and effective businesses say, this is the strategy we're going to pursue. Here are the resources. Here are the expected outcomes of pursuing the strategy. Mm. It's not helpful to question that strategy until you have data. And it's important for everyone to get behind a strategy so that it's fully implemented that you give it the best chance of succeeding. Yeah. And sometimes people shut down questions, rightly so, when it's questioning central premises after that business has all been conducted and the, the strategy, for instance, or the goal has been committed to. How do you advise leaders to think about the appropriate use of questions for leading a, an organizational initiative? Well, I think what you need to uh, teach people is that questioning is, questioning tends to work in cycles, you know, and at certain cycles, certain types of questions are more appropriate. And then you, you come to another cycle 
and another type of question is more appropriate. You know, one of the things that in my book that I, I worked on was the idea of the cycle of innovation um, through questioning. And I found it was really interesting. You would find that um, at the beginning, there are a lot of why questions. In fact, if you, if you take almost any innovation, and I found all these companies like, like Netflix and Airbnb, uh, as well as you know, individual uh, product innovations like the cell phone, if you take almost any breakthrough and you trace it back to its origin, you'll find a why question. So someone was asking, you know, in the case of Netflix, you know, why hasn't someone uh, devised a video rental system that, that can be done you know, using the internet and using the postal service and so you don't have to schlep to a, a video store? You know? so, so there's a why question at the beginning of a lot of innovation. And I think why asking those kinds of why questions are really important at the beginning of any kind of strategy um, uh, initiative as well. You know, you're, you're really asking why are we pursuing this strategy? Why do we think this will work? You know, and so that's a stage where it's really important or, and really appropriate to be asking a certain kind of question that digs under the surface, gets to the rationale behind things, tries to understand the purpose of things. Why is really important at that stage. Now, there's an, as you move along, you are moving away from why. You know, you, you've, you've kind of come to grips with, okay, we get it. We understand why we're doing what we're doing. We understand uh, why this certain uh, problem exists. And now we're going to work on solving it. And now you're asking a different kind of question. Now you're asking more uh, practical questions, like how. How questions are much more practical. You know, how are we going to deal with this issue? How are we going to yeah, we know we want to do this. How are we going to deal with the cost issue? Uh, how are we going to find the manpower to do it? So how are we going to get it out there into the world? How are we going to promote it? How are we going to market it? So I think what companies need to help people understand is you move through a cycle with questioning where you're asking very, very sort of exploratory, um, open questions at the beginning and then you're asking more practical questions as you go along. And if people understand that, then you get away from that problem of, you know, you're, you're nine-tenths of the way through a, a project and someone says, wait a minute, why are we doing this in the first place? You know, they need to understand that they, that's a great question, but that it had to be asked early on. That was the time to ask those fundamental, you know, challenging questions. Well done. Um, what the implication of this is, is that structure helps your thinking with the questions. Yeah. And I, I've encountered this, I'm sure, and I'm sure you have as well, that there's a lot of resistance to that because people think, you know, they have all sorts of different beliefs in this area about um, being spontaneous and, mm -hmm. you know, being bright means being able to come up with things on the spot. What are some um, ideas, suggestions, or even questions you've come up with as a way to demonstrate the importance, the significance, the advantages, the benefits of structuring questions and really structuring thinking in order to achieve better results? Well, I think what I, you know, what I try to tell people is that any, we all need process and structure, you know, because what um, I, I used to work with a designer and who um, uh, was a fantastic uh, uh, product designer and graphic designer. And uh, he, he was a big believer in process. And he said, uh, process tells you what to do when you don't know what to do. 
Okay. So if you have steps, if you have a, 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 a procedure to go through, then you never get lost, right? You always know, even if you feel like you're kind of lost on a, on a, on a project, you can always say, well, what stage am I at? Okay. That's, then I should be focused on this. And I think uh, what I would say to people is, you know, questioning is, is the same way. Um, if you don't have some kind of a process, if you don't have some kind of a plan of how you're going to ask questions and in what order and, and what kind of questions work best early and what kind work best late, if you don't do that, then you're going to be very haphazard in your questioning. And, um, and it's, it, just, it doesn't work as well. It's like any tool, right? You need, you need to use a tool well. You need to use it effectively. Um, questioning is a great tool, but it's, it's really effective if you use it well, if you, use, if you ask the right question at the right time in the right way. That's when you're going to get maximum effectiveness out of that tool. So another point you bring in, out in the book is that better thinking is a result of better questions. Yeah. And if that's true, what would you say should be a process that business leaders ought to do to audit the quality of the questions they routinely ask themselves? Hmm. Audit the quality of the questions they ask themselves. I think, you know, what you, well, it's like anything else. You, you can probably audit it based on results, you know? So if you're asking your, yourself questions about um, your, uh, your process of doing things, if you're asking questions about uh, focus, if you're asking questions about um, how can I improve communication with my people, Within the, within the organization, um, probably the best way to judge that is, are you achieving the results you wanted to achieve when you set out to do this? So if you are working on, let's say, questions that you're going to ask people as you're walking around throughout the organization, are you finding an improvement in the communication you're having with people? Are you finding an improvement in people's uh, productivity? Uh, if you are, then it means you're asking the right questions. If you're not, then maybe go back and revisit some of those questions. Think about whether you're asking them the right way. You know, I think lots of, lots of leaders do ask questions when they walk around the company, but it doesn't mean they're asking the right ones. Um, they may be asking questions I've found um, uh, with some of the leaders I've seen that they are asking questions that are uh, a little too um, uh, accusatory, shall we say? You know, uh, there are people who will walk around and basically bark at uh, at uh, their the, the people working for them uh, and say, you know, why are you doing that? Or what did you hope to achieve by that? Or you know, mm -hmm. or who's responsible for this problem here? So their questions are often very focused on problems, and they're folk and and they have kind of an aggressive uh, edge to them. Okay, so. That person is, you can say, great, they're asking a lot of questions, but they're not asking them well, and they're not asking the right kinds of questions. I mean, they really would benefit. Oh, wait, I want to yeah. jump in. Yeah, sure. I want to jump in and Go say. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. <laughs> I just want to underscore what you just said, Warren. How you ask questions is almost as important as the questions you're asking, it because is. it's going to lead to different results. Totally and different. That's yeah. Everyone well, you know, you know what it is that 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 uh, Bill that people don't realize is that questioning is um, is it can be really confrontational. Questions can be confrontational, so you have to always bear that in mind when you question something. You're challenging. Okay. Now that can be really positive. If I'm questioning my industry, 
I'm challenging. I'm challenging the norms. I'm challenging the assumptions in my industry. If I'm questioning the way I do my job, I'm challenging, again, the habits, the routines. That's all great. But on an interpersonal level, um, when you challenge, people oftentimes will go on the defensive. So you have to be aware of that. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, and it's a very subtle distinction between going up to someone and saying, why are you doing that? As opposed to saying, I'm curious, what led you to that course of action? The person will have a totally different reaction to the second question or the second version of that question than the first one. The first one will immediately put them on the defensive. They'll say, they'll, they'll try to explain why they're doing it. They'll get nervous. They'll get, they might get mad at you. Uh, you know, they'll have a whole different reaction. The second one, because it's framed as curiosity, which is really important, right? With questioning, you always want curiosity to come through when you're asking someone a question. So if you frame it as curiosity, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll tell you my thought process here. You know, you're interested in me. You're interested in how I work. I'll be happy to share with you. So there's a huge difference in the tone of, uh, of questioning and, and how asking almost the same question with slightly different wording and a slightly different tone can get completely different results. Something else that occurs to me is that how you define what your objective is when you're walking around and asking questions, for instance, makes all the difference. So if your objective is to gather information, you'll ask questions in a different way and ask different questions than if your objective is to um, confirm your assumptions. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, you should be. Um, well, questioning in general is so dependent on open mindedness, you know, mm. because Unless you, there are very few cir circumstances. People always talk about a lawyer, right? Uh, a lawyer uh, prosecuting someone, uh, and they've got someone on the witness stand. The, the old saying is, the lawyer should never ask a question that he or she doesn't already know the answer to, right? Because <laughs> you don't want to get surprised and you don't want to get embarrassed by the witness saying something. Other than that instance, there are very few instances where you want to ask questions where you already know the answer. Most of the time, you're much better off asking questions where you don't know the answer and you really are open-minded uh, about finding out, right? That, that, that's going, those are great questions, you know, as opposed to rhetorical questions or questions where you, you kind of already know what the answer is and you just want someone to echo what you're saying back to you. You know, it's much more valuable to go into this with an open, curious mind and say, when I go around and ask questions of the people working for me, I want them to tell me something I don't know, because that's mm -hmm. when I'm learning. That's when I am learning as a leader, when I say, oh, wow, I didn't, realize, I didn't realize people were feeling this way, or I didn't realize people were having this issue. So anything you can do to uh, suggest to people that you really are open to learning, that you really are curious. And by the way, the, you know, sometimes the best way to, to convey curiosity is to just say, I'm curious about something. It sounds incredibly simple, right? But it's, it works. It works. You, all you need to do is say, I was wondering about something or I'm curious about something. It signals to people, okay, this person uh, really wants to learn and now I will, I will help them uh, learn. And I'm flattered, actually, that they're coming to me and, and asking me to help them learn. So if you can convey that to people and you have an open mind, uh, in terms of what they're what they're saying to you, and you listen. Listening is always very important with questioning. It's a, it's like a huge partner to being a good questioner is being a good listener. 
if you can do all of that, then your, your questioning is going to do what it should do, which is to help you learn. You ready for the My Quest for the Best Lightning Round, Warren? Oh, I sure am. All right. So what's your favorite way to get unstuck? My favorite way to get unstuck is to, is to ask questions, not surprisingly, right? So I will ask questions about um, how, have I, how have I tackled this problem before? What have I done before that has helped me? Sometimes I'll ask, uh, I'll try to step outside of myself and say, uh, if somebody else were stuck or working on this problem, someone with a whole different perspective, what might they try or what might they do? What's the easiest or least expensive change you've made in your personal or professional life in the last six months that's had the biggest payoff? Oh, the easiest, least expensive change in my personal or professional life. Um, I think probably uh, I, uh, I I redesigned my uh, my website and uh, and it was it it had uh, great results. Um, it, it it kind of uh, just uh, you know every now and then you got to go back and 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 freshen things up and and change them and and it it just had a a surprisingly big impact for something that didn't didn't cost much and wasn't that big a deal. Great. And what would you say is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, the best advice I've ever received. I, you know, one of the, one of the uh, best pieces of advice I received or, or came across was in the form of a question. And someone shared with me a question that's, that's actually uh, become very popular on, uh, in, in Silicon Valley. And it, it gets circulated a lot. But I love this question. What would you attempt to do if you knew you couldn't fail? And uh, someone shared that question with me, and it was like a great piece of advice because I, I use that question a lot myself now. I think about, uh, you know, what would I try to do if, if I pushed failure aside and didn't think about it, what would I try to do? So in your book, you also identify five enemies of questioning, fear, knowledge, bias, hubris, and time. What would you recommend to a business leader who wanted to establish a peace treaty with these internal limits or enemies? How would you start? I think you start with uh, probably start with the most important one, which is which is uh, time. Uh, you know, how are you going to find some time to uh, to reflect, to think about questioning, and to think about how you're going to implement questioning? And I would also um, uh, just think about you know one of the things I say to people about questioning is think about the value of questioning first, because that will help you overcome some of those other uh, obstacles and uh, and and um, enemies of questioning. If you really value something, you'll fight for it and you'll defend it. And that way you can take on the enemies and, 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 uh, and win against them because you really believe in the value and the importance of this thing. Well, Warren, you've shared so many great ideas on my quest for the best today. I just want to thank you so much. Um, being able to give credit and acknowledge Kathy, your sister, for um, opening up the world of journalism to you and starting your own um, path towards questioning and discovering and, and, and tapping into the curiosity that leads to learning. Um, being able to talk about how entrepreneurs are people who ask big ambitious questions because that's one of the qualities of leadership. Um, sharing about ideas and reminding us about Peter Drucker asking, is this something that I should stop doing, which is often as important as something that we need to do more of or, or continue doing. Um, reminding us to ask, how might we be a leader in our field and inspiration to others? The idea of, transfer, of transforming mission statements into mission questions has been remarkably insightful. And adopting the qualities of curiosity and fearlessness 
to ask questions and become a better question asker. Um, for all these reasons and so much more, I want to thank you for being on my quest for the best. Oh, listen, it was great to be on, Bill. I really enjoyed talking to you. Say, where can we find out more about you and your work online, Warren? Uh, my main site is amorebeautifulquestion.com. So just put those four words together all, all in one word, amorebeautifulquestion.com. Uh, and uh, that site is great because you can find lots of resources uh, about questioning, lots of articles, lots of research. Uh, you know, if you're interested in the subject of questioning and the power of questioning and how people get better at questioning, uh, that's that's a great uh, clearinghouse of, of information. You can you can really have fun on that. Um, you can also um, connect with me on Twitter. Uh, my my Twitter handle is at uh, GlimmerGuy, all one word, GlimmerGuy, and uh, love to get new followers on Twitter. Well, before the the interview started, Warren, you also shared with us that you're going to have a special resource for listeners: the top ten questions for effective leadership. We're going to link to that on the show notes and the resources on your interview page. And I just want to thank you in advance for making that available for everyone who listens. Sure, I, I, I hope it'll be uh, helpful to people. I think it will. Great. Once again, Warren Berger, author of the book of beautiful questions. Thank you so much for joining me on my quest for the best. Thank you. It was really great to be here. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app, so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on my quest for the best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.